Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Good morning, good morning. So good to see you all. You're so welcome. If we haven't met yet, um, my name's Andy, I'm the senior pastor here. If you are a guest or a visitor, uh, we really hope that you feel at home and very welcome among us. If you have little ones with you, please relax. We're very used to noise in here. If they do get really upset and you're worried about that, please feel free to use the foyer. There's some soft seats out there you can, you can sit in, but it's uh, fairly normal for little ones to be running around here and making all kinds of, all kinds of racket. Um, I turned to Dana and said, what's your highlight of 2023? And she said uh, that we made it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means, <laughs> but maybe, maybe pray for us. Um, 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 but um, I just want to speak, before I, uh, we talk about what we're going to talk about this morning, I just want to highlight what Stu has just uh, chatted about around daily rhythms for this year um, and what we're reaching for as a whole community in investing in daily uh, reading of God's Word. Um, I don't know who currently holds the fittest man or woman in Lagan Valley Vineyard, but Benji Baird would be pretty up there in my opinion. And I, I just asked Benji there, I said, Benji, how long would you need to go to the gym before you would, ex- I know nothing about the gym, I never go to the gym. I was, in fact, I was chopping logs yesterday and Moses was helping me and he said, Dad, this is like your gym. And I said, it is. That's why I don't go to the gym because I cut logs. Um, but anyway, I, I know nothing about the gym. I said to Benji, Benji, how long would you have to go to the gym before you would expect to see results? And he said, flip, I don't know, like three to six months, depending on what you're doing, um, which is true. So any of you that are like setting out tomorrow into new fitness regimes or new gym memberships, that might be a helpful expectation for you that by mid-January, you will not be transformed. In fact, you'll probably just be sore. Um, that's kind of how it works. But guys, here's the deal. So it is with reading God's word. And we all went, oh no. <laughs> but it's true. We start out in New Year's, we think this year, I'm going to read the Bible in a year, and we get to week two, and kind of the energy is worn off, we feel no closer to God, our lives are still as complicated and messy, and we think, this doesn't work. And yet here is what I can assure you, that if you decide in 2024 that you're going to spend time in the Scriptures every single day, by this time next year, you will be different, I promise you that, every day. If you're just discovering Jesus, you're not really sure yet about God or faith or this thing called church, just invest in the scriptures every day and watch what happens. But just like the gym, it's tricky. And it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to set it down. It's easy to do other things. And so I really wanna encourage you, grab the guides, invest in this, prioritize this, and we will become a different people together. I'm really, really excited about that. I find it really interesting that the new year is born at the darkest time of the year. This is, of course, not the case for our friends in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, we had some dear friends that live in Australia visit last uh, Sunday morning, and uh, they're home for a couple of weeks, and they've been in Australia for two years. And I said, guys, what's it like doing Christmas in the summer? And they said, it's so weird. 
so weird. See, here we think that with a bit of sun would be lovely, and I totally agree with you, a bit of sun would be lovely. But I can't quite imagine unwrapping presents, going to the beach, and having a barbecue, and calling it Christmas Day. That just feels almost sinful to me. But this time of year, as we move out of December, and I think when we gather next Sunday, all of these decorations will be gone. And our community begins to look different. You see, as we move towards kind of December and Advent, we think all about light. And as we drive home or we drive down our streets, every window is full of that kind of warm, twinkly light. In fact, my parents' street, I pretty sure my dad started this of like just slightly obnoxious inflatable things in the garden and like the whole like I mean the electric bill for December must be crazy but now it's caught on and every house in the street it's kind of got slightly competitive and every year they add things and it just seems like in December and as we move towards Christmas light is everywhere And then we we get to New Year's Eve and we begin to move into January and the decorations come down and the light seems scarce. January is dark. And the reality is the dark is hard. And whilst the truth is, since December 21st, the nights are indeed on the turn, as my wee Nana would say. It takes quite a while for us to experience the reality of that. Dana and I spent some time reflecting on 2023 over the Christmas period. And the reality is for us at least, we feel quite glad to have 2023 kind of behind us. I wonder how many of you feel like that. You see, when things are hard, Everything seems a little bit dark. I wonder how you process that, particularly those of you who are trying to follow Jesus. What do we do when we're reading the Bible, when we're going to church, we're in a tribe and unexpected news comes and finances get difficult and work gets busy and one of the kids gets sick and everywhere we go, it just feels like things are hard. How do we process that? One of the things I observe for people who are trying to follow Jesus and whenever their lives get hard, they typically jump to some pretty extreme conclusions. Some of these may sound familiar. Whether you've verbalized them or not, they kind of haunt our souls in a way. These thoughts, ideas, or conclusions that God's left Or maybe it's not even actually real. Maybe all of this was actually just fantasy and superstition and a crutch to lean on. But actually when the dark comes close and when life gets hard, it's not actually all that helpful. I wonder whether or not there is indeed a gospel that can stand up to the storms of life. Is there something that we can actually anchor our souls to that won't just be some superstitious comfort of, well, one day somewhere everything will be okay, but until then and there we best just kind of bear down and endure. 
You see, I don't know where it comes from. I'm not totally sure who's peddling it, but there is a gospel being proclaimed from the rooftops in these days, and it sounds something like this. You deserve to be happy. I wonder if you kind of noticed that in your life at all. This kind of thought that wanders through our heads and our hearts at all different times and seasons that you deserve to be happy. And one of the things that can happen is we're not really even sure if we believe that or if we've agreed with that, but it's kind of seeped into us. And then when life gets hard and we're trying to do the right things, and sometimes when we try to do the right things, things get even harder. And we're wondering, where on earth is the happiness that I deserve? What do I need to do to get that? On first pass that you deserve to be happy, it sounds pretty good. It can sound pretty good, but here's the truth. I've started a game now. (laughs) Believing that you deserve to be happy is toxic to your soul. That sounds like heresy. That like sounds like, no, 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 no. Everything we're told in today's mentally healthy consciousness is, no, no, you deserve, you deserve to be happy. You deserve that. Look at all the things you're doing. Look at how hard you're working. Look at the way you're investing in your family and your kids. You deserve to be happy. And the reality is that gospel is toxic to your soul. Why? Because it will form your expectations, priorities, and habits in exactly the opposite direction of happiness, or maybe a more helpful word is fulfillment. Because happiness is completely fleeting, but there is a way of life that will leave you tired at the end of the day, but fulfilled. And it is not the pursuit of happiness. Don't get me wrong, guys. I want to be as happy as the next person But if personal happiness and your right to it is the lens through which you process events, decisions, and actions, that gospel will form you in a way that fundamentally you make decisions to serve yourself. And the life of self-service will lead you to loneliness. And lonely people are never happy. You see, these ideas that that seem to kind of permeate the wider culture, our social media feeds, the things that we've just kind of agreed on that are, yeah, we deserve to be happy. We need to make choices that are going to make us happy ultimately are founded on principles, wisdom, and truths that are so, so shallow. These ideas cannot stand against the storms of life. They have nothing to offer us when things get dark. There is a different way, but it requires us to embrace the dark when it comes. Not to be afraid of it, not to flee from it, and not to deny it. John 12, Jesus famously said these words. He said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. 
is a gospel that doesn't sound overly palatable in today's you deserve to be happy world. And yet it's a gospel that will allow you to build something in your soul that can stand when things get dark. You see, growth for human beings requires the dark. Dark times are a really important part of how we actually become like Jesus and far too little talked about in church. The scripture is full of stories of people being formed in the dark. Joseph had a prison, David had a cave, Jesus himself went into a tomb. Because here's the truth. New life begins in the dark. New life begins in the dark. You see, the you deserve to be happy gospel, it has nothing to offer you in the dark except escape. When things get hard, find something easier or perhaps more potently and tragically, I see this again and again and again in our family structure and units, when it comes to our marriages, when things get hard, find someone easier because you deserve to be happy. We have no tools for the dark. This is where the gospel of Jesus can actually help us because nowhere in his gospel will you find you deserve to be happy. You will find anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. What does it mean to actually hate your life in this world? This is incredibly provocative language. Eugene Peterson's translation of those verses in John 12 say this, in the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it destroys that life, but if you let go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. You see, when we live into the you deserve to be happy gospel, we hold our lives so tightly and anything that costs us, anything that hurts us, anything that harms us, we subtly or obviously push away and reject. This can't be right. This is too hard. God mustn't be in it. And yet what Jesus is saying, if you let go, Learn to become reckless in your love. You'll have life forever, real and eternal. You see, Jesus is talking to those who listen to him about something much more important to us than happiness. He's talking to us about fulfillment. Fulfillment. Putting your own happiness at the center will cause you to flee from the dark. You may end up with a long list of material successes, but you will have little to offer the young ones coming behind us. There's a philosopher in Canada called Stephen Jenkinson who writes often about how we live in an age that's absent of elderhood, that the Western world is absent of elders, not necessarily church elders, but those who have wisdom to offer the generations coming behind them. The you deserve to be happy gospel, it renders us bankrupt 
when it comes to the generations that follow us. We've nothing to offer them. Because here's the truth, guys. In 2024, you will face the dark. If you've got children or grandchildren or nephews and nieces, if you're a part of this community, there are young people desperate for voices to help them figure out how to live in the dark. What do we do when it gets dark? How do we exist in that place? Is God real if it's dark around me? And the only way, guys, we have anything to offer is if we listen to the words of Jesus and allow them to form us that unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it can produce nothing. When we let our lives go, when we learn to be reckless with our love, our soul grows strong enough to see in the dark because we don't put our personal happiness as the most important thing in how we make decisions, and the priorities and habits that form and shape our lives. The great Wendell Berry wrote a poem titled To Know the Dark. This is what he said. To go in the dark with a light is to know the light. To know the dark, go dark. Go without sight. And find that the dark too blooms and sings and is traveled by dark feet and dark wings. This is not some kind of romantic notion that when things get dark, we get excited or we get comfort or it gets easy or we're like, I'm so glad I'm here. But it's the truth that when things get dark, there is life to be found there. That Jesus can form us there, that we actually get insight, wisdom and revelation from those times and seasons in our lives that we can rarely get anywhere else and the world is desperate for it. It's not denial of the dark. It's not calling the dark light. It's learning to see God in that place. In this dark month, as it gives birth to a whole new year, my prayer for us all is that we would find the voice and presence of Jesus not calling us just to rush towards springtime, but to learn how to yield to the season we find ourselves in, even the ones that are hard, and to allow this place and this time to do its work, forming us in faith, building something in us that's worth passing on to those who come behind us, faith big enough to stand in the dark. This is the work of spiritual formation that we aren't just caught up in some perpetual cycle of hype crash, hype crash, hype crash, where we come to church on Sundays to get our tank filled up and then it just leaks out through the rest of the week. This is about learning how to practice the words of Jesus. As we look towards the places where we work, the families that we love, the places that we live and put into practice these words unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it can bear no fruit. That as we look at 2024 together, we as a whole community would be prepared to say, I will go into the dark if that's what's gonna cause fruit to grow 
in this community for everyone else, that I will not be afraid of it, that I, I will not assume that God's abandoned me in it. Just look as you read through the scriptures this year at the circumstances of the so-called heroes of the faith. Look how disrupted and uncomfortable their lives were. We need to become unhinged to this gospel of you deserve to be happy because fulfillment is found in living a life beyond yourself. And whenever it costs and whenever you wanna stop having a community robust enough around you to remind you that God is in the dark and that he has things for you there. We're gonna end this year together sharing communion. Uh, James and Andy, guys, everyone say, aw, to James. Come on, you're gonna have to get up in front of everybody. They're gonna stay sitting, so this could take a while. I'm giving you lots of notice. <laughs> he completely ruptured his Achilles on Thursday, and it also happens to be his fifth wedding anniversary today. Congratulations, hop along. Come on, give him a hand. We're gonna finish this year together um, sharing communion. In this symbolic feast, we remember that the darkest moment in human history gave birth to the brightest. That in the darkest moment of history, something was opened so that the rest of the world could have hope. There's an ancient Celtic New Year's tradition called first footing. The tradition states that the first person you welcome over the threshold of your house or your door at the beginning of a new year and the posture they hold towards you has a direct correlation to the type of year that you're gonna have. And so you wanna be careful if that neighbor that you don't really like seems to appear in your doorway tomorrow morning. Um, but the way this would have worked in uh, villages and places all over uh, the Scottish Highlands is once the clock struck 12, everybody would have got busy getting out around the community to make sure that they were the first person over their neighbor's door to wish them well for the new year ahead. The Celtic monastics took this tradition and they adapted it as they often did towards Jesus with this prayer that was spoken or sung at midnight on New Year's Eve. This is what it says. This day is a new day that has never been before. This year is a new year, the opening door. Enter Lord Christ, we have joy in your coming. You have given us life, we welcome your coming. I turn now to face you, I lift up my eyes. Be blessing my face, Lord, be blessing my eyes. May all my eyes look on, be blessed and bright. My neighbors, my loved ones, be blessed in your sight. You've given us life and we welcome your coming. Be with us, Lord, we have joy, we have joy. This year is a new year, the opening door. Be with us, Lord, amen. It's interesting that in this dark moment in our calendar, 
we have this opportunity to open the door to allow Jesus to be our first footing. That in this dark season, we would welcome the presence of Jesus into our homes, into our families, and into our neighborhoods. And as we share this ancient feast together, maybe this would be that moment for us as we come to respond. That we would eat this bread and drink this juice. And in it, we would welcome Jesus into the dark, into the dark parts of our lives, into the dark parts of our community, into the dark parts of our world. And maybe if you're brave enough, you would commit to a way of life in 2024 that wouldn't run from the dark. That would believe the words of Jesus unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it produces nothing. See, fundamentally, guys, the gospel of Jesus is not come to me so that your life will be easy or happy. It's come to me so that you'll have something big enough to stand against the darkness of the world. Big enough to offer those who are around us, even in the midst of suffering and pain and circumstances that don't look like we would like, that we would be formed in the way of Jesus. And this meal reminds us exactly what that way looks like as his body was broken and his blood was shed for the world. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, After supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This feast reminds us that Jesus himself fell to the ground and died that we might live that in the darkness we find new life and hope. Take, eat and drink and be formed in the way of Jesus for the sake of the whole world. I'm gonna invite the ushers that are gonna serve communion to come forward. Uh, One uh, point of note, guys, is there'll be some bread and some juice. If you would rip off some bread, dip it in the juice, that'll save us all sharing the same cup as we cough and splutter all over the room. Um, I kind of really encourage you uh, as you share communion to take a moment to pray with someone. If you've come with friends, uh, do that. If you come with family, do that. If you're on your own, um, if you would just kind of dip your bread and just hang around the stations, some of our staff and team will take note of that and just lay a hand on your shoulder, bless you as you move into the new year. If you're able, will you stand? I'm going to pray and then invite us to come and share communion together. This year is a new year that has never been before. The opening door. Enter Lord Christ that we might live. 
Holy Spirit, I ask for my friends that you would form a faith in us strong enough to see in the dark. That as we move into this year, you would fill us with hope, fill us with faith, fill us with a readiness to lay our lives down for the sake of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. There are uh, some stations here and here and one at the back on both sides. Uh, If you are moving towards Jesus in your life, maybe full of doubt, full of questions, but you know you're moving towards Jesus, you're welcome at this table. Come, take, eat and drink and be formed in His way. Let's do that together now.